0: So this is the golden calf incident, you know, and, and last year I was looking over my my teachings, and so uh, I really feel like everything's kind of new and exciting and, and, and stuff like that, but last year I, I shared a message at this time, and I was just putting them all together in the season in which we live, and basically the title was, What's Your Golden Calf? What's Your Golden Calf? So uh Even my own son challenged me, Father, aren't you going to teach on the Torah portion? I said, no, I'm going to teach on Tammu 17, the golden calf incident. But Father, you should teach the Torah. I said, they both go together. Because I'm sharing with you a memorial, okay? A memorial. I'm sharing with you a memorial. So this golden calf incident is, is an exciting teaching. Make it applicable. We are there, everybody. There's no more rehearsals. There's none of this preseason. We are in the game. The season has started. There's no more rehearsals for our lives. Everything you do will make you or break you. It will bless you or curse you. You need to know this. You need to know this. There's no more practices. This is not a rehearsal. This is the real deal. Your faith is going to be tested this year. Because we can sit around and say, well, how come the Pope's not getting this message? How come the church isn't getting this? I've had people challenge me. How come Kenneth Copeland doesn't have this message? Because he doesn't. You have it. And you're going to stand before the Lord. Lord, I'm waiting for Kenneth Copeland. You might be waiting a long time. So all I'm saying is that, and you need to understand this, I'm 49 years old and I've had an epiphany. My life basically consists of this. God, my father, pours his spirit into me and shows me things and says, this is what I want you to do. And he doesn't include anybody else. He says, this is between me and you. I want you to build a strong community and raise up the next generation. He doesn't give me the details. He just gave me the order. So I can't be distracted with all this other stuff, other ministers and ministries and, 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 and all this other goofy stuff. This is my life. Because if I branch off and I, and I start traveling and I teach Hebrews in the hotels and I do all this other stuff, he, he's going to be like, you know, you didn't do what I told you to do. Depart from me. I never knew you. You did all these things in my name. But you didn't do what I told you to do. And I'm challenging each and every one of you in here. If your piece of paper is blank when you wake up, you better have something on it to attain to every single day. Because we do not serve a wishy-washy revelation God. He gives you the revelation and you walk it out. It's not changed for me. Does it mean it's easy? No. Do I have all the details? No, but I know what he said to do. So what's going to happen? People are going to join me in the vision. Pastor Nick says, strong community, raise of the next generation, and they're going to come alongside Danielle and I, and we're going to do it together. It doesn't mean everybody's going to do it. It doesn't mean everybody's going to buy into it. But it's okay. But I'm going to get the help that I need. Rest assured of that. Go back and study Nehemiah. There are steps to a vision, everybody. There are so many steps. I can't even go there right now. There's so many steps to a vision, but he followed the steps. And then when he got there, he was scouting it out and checking it out before he shared anything with anybody. So how do you know? Oh, I got to go there. Thank you, Holy Spirit. How do you know that your vision is from God? It's when you get the help that you need to accomplish it. Some of you have pizza dreams. You have your own visions and Revelations, or borrowed, or plagiarized, whatever. And what happens is, you're frustrated. Pastor, I thought God showed me this, this, and nobody will help me. I can't get this thing off the ground. And I ask them, is it even of God? Do you think I'm going to try to build a strong community and raise the next generation and not get help or see results? then I've got the wrong vision, everybody. Come on now. You know what this means? You have to be unselfish. you got to pour yourself into people. Yes. Yes. You don't have to come in here and say, I don't feel like hugging anybody. Who cares? Hug them anyway. <laughs> My kids do that. Brianna, give daddy a hug and a kiss. She's like, mm. <laughs> I pursue her. I said, I'm going to get me one of those. She don't like it. She's like, Mm-mm. Hello. Good morning, everyone. Shabbat shalom. I'm feeling so biblical today. Feeling so righteous. I think I'll go to service and give my all and love people. It'll be so wonderful. Feeling good. And then the next Shabbat, oh, I get out of bed. I think I got a little pain. I'm gonna call it a day. I'm just gonna stay in. What's up with that? It's so funny. I, I had a, I had a conversation with the Lord, and I was telling the Lord. I said, Lord. This job's hard. And he's like, so? You know? Like, so, so what? I said, Lord, you know, I said, there's days where I just don't feel happy. And I have to go to the service. And I got a bad attitude. And I don't even want to talk to anybody. But I got to go in a room full of people, Lord. I don't want to do it. He said, get over it. It's okay. You don't have to be all, hi, I'm Pastor Nick. You just say, yeah, you know, all right, whatever. No. Just sit there. Get through it. Get through the service, right? Can you imagine? Where's Pastor Nick? Oh, he just wasn't feeling it today. He's hoping for next week there'll be a better showing. He just wasn't cutting it, man. We had to put him on the bench. He wasn't cutting it. I know when I'm not cutting it. I'm my own worst critic. I know when I'm not cutting it. But I also know when I'm in warfare when I'm in warfare, I know that I'm close to something, so I want to fight. There's no fight. It's a fight. And, and something's happening in the earth. Remember what I said. God always creates circumstances to gain his children, to get our attention. He'll always use circumstances because you're going to have to defend your faith. Absolutely. So there are events leading up to the golden calf. You've got to get this message. I'm telling you. We, we've been in Torah since 1999. And once again, this whole golden calf, instance, it's, it's going to be so relevant. It, it blew my mind this time. I mean, it was so fresh. It was so hot. I, I couldn't put butter on it. It was just dripping off. And I'm telling you, that's the way God is. You don't need old glory. You need a fresh word from God. Every single one of you deserve a fresh word from God. And you need to chew on it. And you need to be thinking about it. You deserve it. A lot of you work hard. I mean, some of you cut grass for a living, right, Paul? Pete and John, you guys work hard. You guys guys work way harder than I do. The least I can do for you, as you're getting rid of toxins much better than me, I need to bring the best word for you because you're tired. You've worked all week. You can't put the hours in the word like I can. You deserve the best word because what does that mean? We're all doing our job. You're making earth beautiful, okay? And I bring forth the word. It's not to say we can't all get the word. I'm just saying that somebody's got to hear from God. Come on now, everybody. I am sick and tired of chaos and confusion and opinions and the blogosphere. I mean, I'm sick of it. We need a fresh word from God, and we need to fear him, and we need to move towards that word that he gave us, in fear and trembling. Because somebody has to fix this movement. It's not about going after people in this movement. It's about fixing it. Fixing this movement. And there's just steps that we have to take to fix this movement. Because you don't want to be cursed. The church is not the enemy, folks. The church is not the enemy. Moses leads the children of Israel out of Egypt after celebrating the first Passover. Exodus 12. Think about these series of events now. How glorious was that? Gee, they were only there for 430 years. How I many of that's a long time to live in a house? A that house was probably handed down to how many generations? My great-great-great-grandma lived here. Now I got to leave. <laughs> Parting is such sweet sorrow. <laughs> Moving on. Pharaoh and his army drowned in the Red Sea, trying to pursue the children of Israel. Amen? And the prince of Egypt, all the Egyptians drowned. Even Pharaoh. Amen? Come on now. My kids pointed that out to me. Daddy, I thought they all drowned. Yeah, people just can't get the story right, because I don't know what Bible they're reading. Don't add or take away from the word of God. We need to pray for those script writers. Because you have added or taken away from the word of God by not telling that story correctly. And then if you're in the world, you think, oh, that's what the Bible says. I saw the cartoon. Oh, I'm sorry. i got to move on. God provides manna for the children of Israel, Exodus 16. God provides manna for the children of Israel. If he brings you to it, he'll bring you through it. He's going to give us everything we need in this community to make it strong and raise up the next generation. He's going to give us absolutely everything we need. Don't fear for our children. They're going to make it. They're going to make it. You know, thinking about the youth play and everything, you know, God allowed us to have state-of-the-art sound and lighting because we want to teach the Bible through the arts. Because I mean, there's more than one way to preach the Bible. We can tell the stories right out of the Bible, and they'll be right out of the Bible. We can finally get it right. So God allowed us to have the funds to have state-of-the-art sound and lighting, so we could do that. Isn't that amazing that the youth are going to do a play, and this is what we've been living for, just waiting for, and we're going to see it in the first Saturday in August, the next generation telling a beautiful story about trust in God. You know? And isn't that what we all need to do? Joshua and the children of Israel defeat Amalek and his people, Exodus 17. Let me ask you all a question. When you came out of the world, did you have some battles right away? Mm -hmm. I know I did. We all had some battles, didn't we? We had some battles with our family, coworkers, or whatever else it was, because the enemy was trying to knock us off course. Oh, no, they're they're not in the world anymore. They're going to go for Hebrew roots. I'm going to do something to them. I'm going to try to thwart them, but tell me that they, they defeated Amalek. From generation to generation, we're all going to fight Amalek. Moses is reunited with his wife, Zipporah, along with his two sons, Gershom and Eleazar, through his father-in-law, Jethro. We're at Exodus 18 now. We're leading up to the golden calf incident. Exodus 18. You could almost say this is a picture of our family members coming in here before the marriage supper of the Lamb. See, if you understand something, if the promises are to us and to our children's children, it doesn't matter how old they are, they will will come into this. You have to hope and believe for that. Now, we all have a free will, but it's got to be activated in them. See, whatever is in you is in them. Oh, that was a revelation that God gave me. I'm going to be seeing a relative this next week who I haven't seen in over 20 years. Why? Because it's time. It's time for the plumber family to rise up. It's time for reunions and restoration. So God marries the children of Israel, which represents the Mosaic Covenant, and they agree to the conditions, Exodus 19. Amen. How many of you know that the children of Israel agreed to the conditions of the marriage covenant? Raise your hand if you know that they agreed. But they didn't have it yet. Why? Because Moses had to go up on the mountain. That's why when you're in a wedding, you say, I do. Well, guess what? We all did. The Torah was written, and what did Moses say? Hey, it's for those that are here and... For those that are not here, how many of you were there at Mount Sinai? Raise your hand. Okay, only two of you. See, we have all ages in this congregation, all ages. Get with that person. Let them explain to you how that all went down. No, we weren't there, but now we're, gra- we're, we're, we're you know, grabbing for the Torah because we know it's relevant for today. It's teachings and instructions. I tell my pastor friends, the Torah has changed my life. It's an instruction booklet that I can't live without. That's what Christians are doing every day. I'm going to wing it. How's that working for you? I'm going to play Russian roulette with with God's perfect will, and and maybe I'll get it right. That's not what we want to do. The Father shows us how to treat one another, how to live, how to love him, how to serve him. He, He teaches us all of this in here. So in Exodus 19, there's a marriage covenant. And see, this is what's happening in our life today is that the church has skipped Mount Sinai and now we have to go back. Does everybody understand that? The church has skipped Mount Sinai and now we all have to go back and understand this whole marriage covenant thing. It's not with the blood of bulls and goats. It's with the blood of Yeshua once and for all. So Moses ascends Mount Sinai to receive the two tablets of stone Exodus chapter 24, verse 12. So here's Moses going up. He's going to ascend up to Mount Sinai. And how many? There's quite a few documentaries on where Mount Sinai really is. It's Saudi Arabia. Amen? So that's a fascinating study. Well, why is that important? Because if they're having documentaries about where the real Mount Sinai is, hmm, then chances are what came off that mountain is in the earth. 'Cause they're verifying it by the location. Well, if you if you go to Mount Sinai and verify the location, what came down off the mountain? Two tablets, right? That's medicine in the Bible. You know there's medicine in the Bible? Moses took two tablets. Ted, you can have that one. You probably already had it. I'm telling you, there's all kinds of things in the Bible. There's tennis in the Bible. Moses served in Pharaoh's court. I mean, it, there's everything in the Bible. I've got to really move on because that's not even in my teaching. Now here we go, the golden calf, Exodus chapter 32, verses 1 through 35. So we did a little recap. We're building it up. We're seeing what's going down here. We're going to read a few verses together. We're going to have the public reading of Scriptures. So let's begin reading about the golden calf in Exodus 32, verses 1 through 6 altogether. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him." So get this picture. Moses is going up on the mountain to receive what? The commandments. The people get a little restless. They're getting a little antsy like, hey, hey, hey. We don't have that today, do we? I mean, come on. McDonald's has two drive-thrus, and they're backed up, and you're mad. Come on. Listen, I'm going to tell all of you seriously. I'm just as guilty as you. This culture conditions us to be antsy, And not to be patient, because it conditions us. We're being conditioned for the opposite of God. (laughs) Because God's not microwavable. He's not a CD. You can't pop him in and pop him out. He's not a drive-through God, amen? And let me tell you something. There's no such thing as quality time. Never. There's no such thing. You either give time or you don't. There's no quality time, folks. You either take time for something or you don't. And I'm saying that this culture is conditioning us to miss God. Because we're scared to get alone. We're scared to get alone with God and to put a notepad down in our Bible and maybe a glass of water and just, Lord, speak to me. Oh, oh, this place would be rocking and rolling if everybody did this. Because he will speak to you. But you're so antsy and so full of anxiety and nervous and fidgety that he can't talk to you. If you'll abide in him, he will abide in you. You've got to learn to abide. I got to leave my house, amen, to put two thoughts together. I like to come on the church property and pick up trash and stuff. Why? Because I can think, I can meditate, I can talk to the Lord. It's multitasking too. But I'm not behind a computer or a TV and I'm, I'm in nature, I'm around, you know, and I get to see all the bugs and all the creation that God makes and stuff and seeing things I've never seen before, amen? And so I'm just saying that you've got to condition yourself. You have to condition yourself to get alone with God. Listen, I'm telling you right now, this is not an option. Oh, that's good for you, Pastor Nick. No, you need this. Oh, yeah. yes. You know, you need this. Yes, we do. If we just come in and decompress... And breathe properly and you know and drink some water and just sit here and just thank God and be grateful. if that's all you did you're going to leave changed because you haven't done it all week. Listen, the Holy Ghost leads. the devil drives. ever since I was little, people are always trying to To make me a driven person. I'm sorry. I am led. I'm not driven. If you don't feel well, or you're sick, or you're weak, or you're tired, do not make decisions that are very, very important in that state. Don't do it. Take a deep breath. Say, I'm going to consider this later. Because if somebody needs an answer right now, too bad. If it's really, if it's that important, it can wait. Come on now. I'm a pastor. I have people try to drive me all the time. Well, this, and that. I said, listen, back off. You know, you need to be led. Don't make rash decisions. Think it through. Pray about it. Ponder it. Amen. Many a man have failed because of that. Oh, yeah. So I even have to be patient. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Can I tell on myself real quick? Yep. Nope. Maybe next week. No, I'm just gonna. I got into a place with the Lord where I actually said, this is a great piece of property we want to build on here, but, you know, maybe God wants me to buy another church. Oh, yeah, I went down that road. And the leadership was in agreement, and the elders said, well, you know what, we might want to consider that. I mean, you never know, right? You don't know. It all fell through. We never bought another church. We built on this property just the way God intended it to be. But I had the opportunity to go buy another church, which wouldn't have been the will of God. Once again, a good idea. We need a bigger place. We need a church. It'll do. It's not what God wanted. So, guess what? This place is a God idea. This is God's idea that's come to fruition now. Keep reading. So Aaron said unto them, break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings, which were in their ears, and brought them unto Aaron. Let's keep reading. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Wow. Now, where did they get all this jewelry and stuff? They pillaged Egypt, didn't they? They pillaged Egypt. See, everything that God blesses me with, no matter what it is, it's for the kingdom. Yeah, it's for me and my family and everything else, but it's also for the kingdom, amen? When we're financially blessed in this church, right, it's to further the kingdom, okay? I mean, I go back in the fellowship hall over here. I don't know how we did it. I really don't know how we did it. I don't know how we did it. Have you ever been there? You go over there and you're like, we were in that building for eight years, A molten calf. Let's keep reading. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. play. Okay. So how many of you know that this whole experience is not good? It doesn't sound good? It's just not good. So this word play, let's look at this word play. Shishkak, meaning to laugh outright in merriment or scorn by implying to sport. The implication is to sport. So basically the word play is used of fornication. Now how many of you know when Paul was furthering the gospel, there were temple prostitutes? That seems like an oxymoron, doesn't it? So the word play is used of fornication. It's one of the 17 works of the flesh, this word fornication. It's where we get the word porno or pornography, pornea. We don't have that problem in America, do we? Not at all. (laughs) Do you know that if you look at pornography, if you have pornography, it brings poverty. It's one of the signs. It brings poverty. And remember that pornography is lust, and lust is never satisfied. It's never satisfied. Never, ever. Love is what fulfills. Love is what fills us up. So if we don't have love, we'll go to eros, the Greek word for lust. We'll we'll do that form of love. There's different Greek words for love, but I'm just saying that the opposite of pornography as far as intimacy, listen to this. This one particular gentleman brought this out. It was in a prison ministry. The opposite of pornography is prayer. Well, how can you say that? Because here's the thing. It's all about intimacy. So people are trying to get intimacy through pornography, whether male or female. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? We all want to be loved. We all want intimacy. So it's, yeah, it's tainted. It's diluted. But the thing is, is that prayer is intimacy with God. Why? Because you're speaking to him, and he's speaking to you, and you're like face-to-face kind of like thing, you know? And so that's the opposite. But how many of you know that pornography is more popular than prayer? Oh, definitely. Because we're feeding our flesh. But when you learn to feed your spirit, that prayer time will be so desired. I desire to be here on Mondays with Miss Ruth. For prayer. I desire it. I crave it. I really, really do. I don't oversleep. I mean, I don't want to stay in bed. I, I literally, because you know why? Because I feel intimacy with the Father when I'm praying. And even though I might not be doing well that day or I got a lot of challenges, I desire the prayer time because it's intimacy. Because I don't want pornography. Because it doesn't fill me up like prayer. Because how many of you know that when you taste of the Lord, He is good? And when people haven't tasted of the Lord, they're going to go to something else that tastes good to them. See, some of you need a dose of the Holy Ghost. You need to get under the spout where the glory comes out. You just, you need it. You need, you need the Spirit. You need a bath. A, you need to bathe in the Holy Spirit. And see, you'll never do it just running to and fro throughout life. You got to slow down. You got to stop. You got to take it in. You got to breathe it in. You got to let Him cover you. Amen? Right now, his presence is so thick in here. I'm telling you, I can barely stand up. His presence is so thick in here. Soften your heart. Let him touch your heart. You want to be calm. You want to have peace, don't you? You want to have an abode of peace and rest. It's called the Shabbat. If you go back and study in Hebrews, this place is an abode. There's a place you can go to have peace. Now, I know that I'm not always there. I got seven kids this church and all kinds of crazy stuff going on, my own personal problems. But I'm telling you, I have found this place of peace. I truly have. And I want to stay there as long as I can, but I'm not always there because you have to live your life and do things and deal with stuff. But I'm telling you, there is a real place. It's called an abode in the Greek. It's peace. You can have it. You can really have it. I've always desired it. Continue on. Let's look at 32 7. Let's read it. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go get thee down, for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. Get down there, Moses. Amen. Amen. That's like my house. You don't leave children unattended. Hey, kids, just go swimming. No, there's got to be an adult. There's got to be an adult. Who said that the people have corrupted themselves? Who said it? Yahweh. God said it. He told Moses, they've corrupted themselves. How many know that's a big deal? How many, if you corrupt yourself, how many know it's not a good thing? And I don't want to read too much into this, but if God says you've corrupted yourself, you've corrupted yourself. Otherwise, you have a deluding spirit. Let's look at this word corrupted. Look at this, shachath. It means to decay, ruin, ruin. Literally or figuratively. How many know ruin? To destroy, pervert, or to corrupt morally. How many of you know that that's not good? good. Amen? 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 See? (laughs) Calling forth an assembly. Somebody's going to come to the assembly. So look at that. Listen, if we have all these candidates in the Republican Party, the Democratic Party, okay, who's got a platform of morals and values other than Ben Carson? I can't think of anyone. And and I'll be honest with all of you. I like the news because I'm older and I, I like to keep up with stuff, but I can't watch an hour of gossip and slander. How I many? mean, no, you can't just put that on and sit in front of it. You'll be corrupted. How many of you say, you will be corrupted. I didn't have any joy watching the debates. I watched little bits and pieces. But people going after one another, I thought I was going to watch it. And the Lord says, don't watch that. That's slander. That's not a debate. Don't put that in your spirit. Because then you'll watch that and you'll, you'll, you'll slander people. Well, you know, it's in your spirit. And this isn't about going after the world because you can't judge the world. See, it's too easy for me to get up here and do a PowerPoint presentation on how corrupt the world is. It's too easy. So, what should I do? Show you a way to get cleaned up and be obedient. I want to be clean, have a clean conscience, and know that I've done business with the Father. And and when I have an odd, I've taken care of it. and, And I feel good, and I go to sleep at night, and I feel clean. This place is going to be like a giant washing machine or a car wash or something. We we need to come and just get cleaned up. Just say, man, I need to get cleaned up. Amen? This is what we really, really need. Whatever happened to morals and values? Where's our morals and our values? Where's just basic Christianity at? Where is it? I mean, really, you know, we live in the information age. We just need the basics. Less is more. Let's keep reading Exodus 32, verses 8 through 10. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and have worshiped it and have sacrificed thereunto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Keep reading. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. How many of the Lord was not real happy with his people? We're made in his image. We're made in his image. We have anger, so does God. I like to use the word stiffneck, because that's me. Stiffneck. Stiffneck. Some of you didn't get that. That's all right. We'll move on. When I read this stuff, I never, ever think, how could they do that? Or what a bunch of losers. I mean, come on, don't they know better? I look at that and I go, oh, I did that. That's me. That's me. That's me all the way. That's me. Amen. I was talking with a couple one time. And uh, the guy was sharing with me, hey, you know what? I'm the head of this family. I'm the head of this home. His wife was right there, you know, and he was proud of that. You know, I said, good for you, man. And the wife said, and I'm the neck, and I can turn that head anywhere I want. And the conversation was over. That's good, honey, because I'm the neck. I'm moving on now. Exodus 20, verse 3, what is that commandment? Let's read it. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Why? Because there are no other gods. We choose to make other gods. We choose to serve other gods. We choose to do this. There's only one God. Thank you, Father. It's an honor to teach this to all of you. Because this is all leading to something glorious in the kingdom of God. This is all leading to your inheritance. This is all leading to something beautiful for you personally in the spirit realm. This is all leading to greatness in the kingdom of God. Because his word will not come back null and void. If you find the instructions, if you find the scriptures, and you find the people that are contained within those scriptures, and you begin to do these things, your life is changed forevermore. I know less now than I've ever known because I keep pressing in. This is the one book that you pick up that you never put down. A Bible in a hand is worth more than ten on the shelf. Now, let's just break this down. Let's take this, this story literally, okay? Let's take the story literally, and let's break this down. Seven statements of God against the children of Israel. How many of you have ever corrected a child before, and you meant it? Hey, you did this. I'm not happy with this. This is what you did. You didn't make it up. You didn't twist it. You just said, this is what you did. Come on. Oh, yeah. we, we need to take it on the chin with God. Okay, we messed up. We need to admit it. Number one, this is a statement. They corrupted themselves. Now, how many know that's not good? Who is the king of corruption? The prince of this world. Everything's corrupted. Come on, let's all be honest. Business dealings, corporations, leadership, it's all corrupted. The political system, There's corruption. Look at this. Number two, turned aside quickly. So Moses is up on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights, and and now they turn aside quickly. They just married Yahweh. They had the most awesome thing. They came out of Egypt, and within 40 days, they were back at square one. And he couldn't believe it. They, they turned aside quickly. It was only 40 days. I mean, you would think that they're still trying to get over the slave mentality of, hey, we just got out of Egypt. Oh, I'd be a little gun-shy to do anything, wouldn't you? It's like when we put, thank you, Holy Spirit, it's like when we were so strict with our children that they want to run from us. I try to have a balance with my children. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a man of rules. But think about it. These people came out of Egypt with a slave mentality, and now they're entering into this covenant, and, and that's not going to be an easy thing. How many of you understand what I'm saying? It's not an easy thing. you got to put yourself in their shoes. And let me tell you what the Lord is showing me right now in my own personal life is empathy. Does everyone know what empathy means? It literally means putting yourself in somebody else's shoes without an opinion. Oh, that's painful for me. <sighs> Because you know me, I want to fix everything. Oh, well, you shouldn't feel that way or think that way. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to think. I can fix this. Don't forget about that. That's not empathy. What if somebody comes to you about an issue and you just want to correct them and say, oh, that's stupid. You don't have any empathy. Guess what? You'll be successful in life. We all have to have empathy. Hear people out. Hear where they're at. How many of you know we all have different phobias? So if someone says to me, and I get near an edge, and it's a drop off, and I can't really make any sense of, you know, my direction, or perspective, or whatever, and I get on the edge of something, man, my knees start knocking, I I mean, I, I freak out. I got up on the roof. The ladder went up with the roofer. Hey, he showed me stuff around. We're looking at the roof and going, up. and then all of a sudden I saw the ladder and I started to go, and I went to the ladder and I saw how high up I was and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and the, the roofer looked at me, you all right? I said, whoo, ah, whoo, whoo, yeah, just wow, wow. Oh my goodness. And I, I started thinking, I'm not going to be able to get off this roof. Literally, they're going to have to call the fire department. I was that afraid. But you would say, oh, that's just childish. No, no, no. Now, I want to overcome my fears. But what I'm saying is that the way that I did it was this. I mean, they had the ladder just like six inches off the roof. Come on, you know how scary that is to maneuver that thing? Oh, I was like, Lord, this is not working for me. I have zero faith at this point in time. I said, I'm not doing it. I'll sit up here and I'll have a birthday or whatever, but I'm not going down. I just, I mean, I literally was terrified. So I said, can you raise that ladder up so I can have something to grab onto? And I'm telling you, it took everything in me. And I will never go back up there unless God raptures me up there. I don't go up on the roof. I'm like, I got to get other people to go up on the roof. But it's empathy. You know, you should say, Pastor, I understand you've got this fear of heights and it just makes you uneasy and you could probably even pass out or freak out, you know, because you have to overcome your fears, you know. You should see me at Masada. Go ahead and laugh, Mike. Everyone laughs at Pastor Nick when you go to Masada. I heard people, watch this. Because, you know, the cart takes you up there. That's wonderful. I'm in the cart, I'm in the middle. Hey, Dad, look over here. No, I'm good. I'm in the, the cart, right? I mean, you're looking down, and the cable's going up. You know, I'm like, I don't even to look at the cable. I'm like, <laughs> and, and then it goes like this. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, the door's open. Okay, and I know what's going to happen next. You get off this car, and you got to go along the side of the mountain. That's wonderful. That's wonderful, right? No, it's not wonderful. Why can't the thing go all the way to the top and drop me off in the middle? So now you, you've got from here to whatever to go along the side of the mountain on a bridgeway, a walkway that's, I don't know how many hundreds of feet down there. I don't want to look. So I'm just like, you know, I am. I mean, I this, and, and I get up to, and, oh, I got this. Oh, I got to build up my strength for when I go down. I'm good, I'm good. Yeah. It's like some of you, Scared of spiders. Snakes. Listen, this will preach empathy, empathy. It's part of your emotional intelligence, everybody. You need to have empathy because you'll never win anybody to the Lord without empathy. If you come alongside and show them love and help them and, and, and care for them and nurture them and give them compassion, then you can preach the gospel. That's good stuff, ain't it? They corrupted themselves, they turned aside quickly, they made a molten image. Oh, how many know that God didn't like that? Not good. No, no, he didn't like that. You know, and, and if you want to understand this picture, think about this. If we were to bring the Torah scroll out here or the menorah, and we all started bowing around it and stuff, how many of that's not kosher? We worship what? God. We, we worship God. The teacher, not the teaching. The Torah is is an object. It's holy. We we treat it with reverence. How many understand what I'm saying? It's got a home. It's it's treated with care and respect and reverence. And you don't just slap it around and and slap it around and put it under your bed. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? But we worship the teacher, not the teaching. So that was a point of contact for them. And how many know that it was wrong? We can see this throughout the Bible, don't we? Remember the serpent? up on the staff and all that stuff. How'd that work out? People worship objects and images and things. And God says, don't do that. Because they're created. They're they're made by hands. They can't heal you. They can't save you. They can't answer your prayer. Oh, God forbid if you had to talk to a live person. How about this? They worshiped it. (laughs) Some people... Their golden calf is their car, right? Or whatever. Or how about a room in the house, right? It's got plastic all over. You ever been in those homes? Oh, don't go in there. I said, I'm scared to go in there. I might slip and fall. Oh, we don't go in there. What do what, what you doing? What is that, a museum? What, what, you... what is that? My Honda Odyssey, we bought it. It was a lot of money. I'll never do that again. My next vehicle is going to be made out of leather and stainless steel, okay? Because the old luxury, you got seven kids, forget it. Luxury's over, okay? Seats are wore out, carpet's ruined, right? There's crayons sticking out of the vents. Come on, people. You know what I mean? They're going to bury me in that Honda Odyssey. That's all I'm going to say. Not that we shouldn't take care of things, but there just comes a point in time where, you know, are you worshiping it? No, we don't want to do that. That's what we do. Number five, they sacrifice to it. <laughs> ah. I mean, listen, take the Bible literally. The father was not happy. They sacrifice to it. Like I was feeling today, you know, I wanted to bring my A game, you know. I somebody told me that I looked good and everything, and I said, thank you. but But, you know, and I want to share this with all of you, that You should bring your A game. You should bring your best to God. You should bring your best to the church. You should bring your best offering, your best praise. You should bring your best worship. You should bring it to God. Bring it! Right? I could be up here with shorts and flip-flops and justify it. It's 100 degrees out there. That's not reverence. I think you should be properly dressed for church. I'm sorry, I believe that. There was a code for the priests to wear. They couldn't just wear what they wanted. There's a code. You know, have some respect. Number six, claimed it to be the God that led them out of Egypt. Now, listen, you can read into this all you want. I went to the Hamash and I was reading the commentary and I went into La La Land. You know what I'm saying? I didn't go into the Talmud, the Mishnah, but I went into the Hamash And and I started reading the commentary and stuff, and and, and interesting things in there or viewpoints or theories or whatever. But the bottom line is God wasn't happy with these things. He was upset so much that he was going to destroy them. That's pretty serious, okay? This ain't like you didn't take the trash out kind of thing. This is bigger than that. Number seven, been stiff-necked. Anybody been stiff-necked? What does that mean? Your viewpoint is just one way. You're so narrow-minded. You can look through a keyhole with those eyes. You're stiff-necked. You will not look at things differently. You will not look at what God is saying to you, what other people are. You're just stiff. You will not look at things differently. Guess what? You'll never get anywhere. You have to adapt. You have to adjust. You can't be dogmatic to that degree. You got to be flexible in the spirit. Amen. Just like with Paul, you know, they think he was schizophrenic. He didn't keep Torah. He kept Torah, you know. The bottom line is that he did circumcise Timothy, but he didn't circumcise Titus. So we can make that into an issue. But the bottom line is that not everything's the same. We're all in different situations and circumstances with people and stuff. It's kind of interesting, too, stiff Stiffneck, you know, looking at this. Abraham's father served other gods. Joshua 24.2, how many of you know that? Abraham's father served other gods. I believe it was said that, it doesn't say it, but it said that he made idols. But, but the bottom line is that he, Abraham's father served other gods, amen? Your parents or your great-grandparents or your grandparents, whatever, how many of you know that they're on a different path than you right now for the most part? Not for those that are into the Hebrews. How many of know that our parents and our grandparents and our great-grandparents, they were on a different path than us? And we say, well, how come I'm getting it? Don't try to figure it out. You're getting it. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. And do you believe that he is a rewarder to those that diligently seek after him? How about Rachel? That's the house of Joseph. That's our house. Rachel stole her father's household idols. Genesis 31, verses 30 through 35. Imagine that. She had been there all of her life, been raised up there in Syria, and she decides hey, you know what? I've grown up with these gods. I better take them with me. Well, guess what? Father didn't like that. Why? Because father needed his household idols. They're gone. He freaked out. Somebody took my household idols. And Jacob should have never said what he said. Well, whoever has them, let them die. Let them die. He didn't even know his own wife. She took them. And what happened? She died giving birth. To Benjamin, Benjamin. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. And I'm telling you right now, that's my biggest battle right now because I, I just want to say stuff. And, and you know what the Lord was showing me? The Lord showed me this and I'm still working on it. Really and truly, I, I, I come to the point where I think I'm going to have to put like an index card in my pocket with a small little pen or something and just know that it's there. Because this is how bad it's getting. And if I say something that I shouldn't have said, I need to go and I need to write it down and ask for forgiveness because i got to start conditioning myself. Because you know what the Lord showed me? The Lord showed me that I have so much more to bless you with and give you, but you're holding yourself back. And I got mad at myself. Me, myself, and I, we had a board meeting. Amen? Me, myself, and I, and I'm like, oh, this ain't going to work anymore. I'm the guy? Okay, well, I'm going to take care of this because I want more from the Lord. I want more of his presence. I want more of his revelation. I want more opportunities to to be around people that are obedient to him. Because when you're praying, God hooks you up with praying people. Praying people are hooked up with praying people. Did you know that? If you're praying, he's going to hook you up with praying people. He's not going to hook you up with people that aren't praying, because people that are praying are praying God's will. Our Father who art in heaven, it's the model prayer, amen? That's the model prayer. That's how we should pray. That's what Jesus was saying. The disciples said, hey, teach us how to pray. He goes, here's your model prayer. Pray, this is how it should look. And so we stick to that. Amen? So Rachel stole her father's household idols. See, it's a that has a problem with idolatry, everybody. It's not Judah. It's us. I got to move on now. Here's a quote. An idol is anything that you give your strength to or get your strength from. John Bevere. Got into it with my pastor friends. I like to tell stories. We were talking about different addictions and things, you know. And he says, so uh, do you uh, drink coffee every day? I said, I, I would say so. He says, you're addicted. No, I'm not. He says, yes, you are. You have it every day, right? Uh, you're right. Yeah, you're right. I, I do. I choose that addiction. Get thee behind me. I choose it. It's okay. But, but he made a point. I had to have it every day. As hard as it was to admit, even if it's just 12 ounces, 15 ounces, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure I drink coffee every day. I, I don't need any hands to go up. You don't need to join me. But what I'm trying to share with you is that we do have addictions. We do have habits. We're creatures of habit. How many of you understand what I'm saying? We're creatures of habit. So with that said, you know... Uh, it's like uh, so the kids mess with the TV or something you know it wasn't working for a few hours I couldn't get it to work I said, oh well you know but before before I would get super mad and upset and all this you know well I gotta watch I gotta watch the news and I caught myself I'm like no I don't I don't need to watch the news and so what I'm saying is that you know, it's just like I like to watch uh, ABC News at, at 6.30, ABC World News with David Muir. And I'll tape it or I'll watch it, but I've, I've discovered that I don't always do that. Matter of fact, I've gotten to the point where I'll tape it, but then I watch that news, but I won't watch the old one, and I erase it or whatever. But I'm just sharing with you that we're creatures of habit. How, how many of you have habits? Oh, yeah. We don't have to get into all of it, but I'm saying we've got to examine ourselves and ask ourselves. And then what happens, the Daniel fast comes along, oh. proves to you you're an addict. Because when the horns come out and the fangs, I know, you just gave up coffee the first time in your life. How's that Daniel (laughs) fast? Now, here's the thing I want to encourage all of you in. With everything that's happening in the world, and it breaks my heart, atrocities, murder, mayhem, chaos, confusion, riots, all kinds of stuff, Remember this. Let's let's look at this right here. This is the first intercession of Moses. We can pray about all this stuff. We can pray about it. Lord, I lift this up to you. You know, Lord, I I just pray that the Prince of Peace would bring peace. I just know that peace is coming, you know. The check's in the mail. I know there's peace, you know. And, And begin to intercede for this world. In Exodus chapter 32, verses 11 through 14, we have, of course, the first intercession of Moses. Let's read it together. Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self and says unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. Listen, we live in a culture in a, in a church culture where we just go after people and we, we find out something bad's happened to somebody or they made a bad decision, and we just jump on them and we add fuel to the fire, we should be interceding. I know of situations right now where ministries have, have gone belly up and things have happened right now. And I intercede. I pray for those people. Breaks my heart. It could happen to me. It could happen to us. The Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. Amen. But look at this. I mean, intercession, not accusations, everybody. If you're talking about somebody, you better be helping somebody. My wife and I, we talk about people, but that's because we want to help them. We do not sit around and talk about this and that, can't believe this, can't believe that. We we talk about situations we say, okay, let's pray about this. Let's see how we can help the situation. Let's see what we can do to resolve this. But we, we don't talk about people. We don't, we don't enjoy that. We don't, it's not good. Let's look at Joshua. Notice Joshua waiting at the foot of Mount Sinai for Moses in Exodus 32, verses 17 through 19. For the sake of time, I, I won't go there. But how many of you that, that Joshua was dedicated? Yeah. I want you to think about this. Joshua and Moses head to the mountain, Mount Sinai. Moses goes up and Joshua waits for him to come down. Come on now, that'll preach. He's waiting for his leader. He's waiting at the base. And Moses came back down the way that he went up. And Joshua was right there. Amen. And then Joshua didn't know what was going on in the camp. How come Joshua didn't know what was going on in the camp? Because he he was loyal to the leader. He didn't drop the ball. He knew his responsibility was to wait right here for Moses to come back down. He didn't even know what was going on in the camp. He says, it sounds like a... A party or an army or something, right? An army. Battle. Rock concert. And then we move on to the golden calf is destroyed. Exodus 32, 20, amen. The golden calf is destroyed. He breaks it down makes him drink it, doesn't he? He shows you, oh, let me show you how good this idol is. Right? Take this. Here's your fiber. So... They destroyed it, broke it down, and then they consumed it. Because what was God, do you think, really wanting to say? You know, originally, God never wanted a big tabernacle and all that other stuff. He just wanted the people to worship him, each and every person. You didn't need a building or or a temple or any of that stuff, a point of object like that. He's like, just worship me. Come together and worship me. You don't need a place because I'm inside of you. And I believe that's why he told them to drink that golden calf, saying, hey, I'm inside of you, like this golden calf. Think about that. That God is inside of us. Greater is he that's in me, amen, than he that's in the White House. I mean, I'm sorry. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, amen? Don't you know that God's inside of you? Now we know that it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what's come out. So there's a war going on inside of you. So look at what happens here. Aaron's weak leadership, Exodus 32, verses 21 through 24. Aaron's weak leadership. People always say in the commentary, well, how come Aaron got off? Because God didn't judge him. He wasn't the leader. He was like the substitute teacher. (laughs) And and God wasn't done with Aaron yet. He could have taken Aaron out. Why'd you cave in? Why'd you do this? Come on, we've all been there. Hey, they ganged up on me, you know. They ganged up on me and, and I gave in, you know. He was trying to buy time because he knew Moses was going to come back at any time. So he kind of sets this up. Then he sets this up. He's like, oh. Ah. And before you knew it, this whole thing played out. Come on. Have you ever done that? Of course, We've all done it. Aaron's weak leadership. The sons of Levi execute judgment on the children of Israel. Amen. The sons of Levi execute judgment on the children of Israel, Exodus thirty-two, verses twenty-six to twenty-nine. Let's read Exodus thirty-two, twenty-eight altogether. And the children of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and there fell of the people that day about three thousand men. And it goes on to also say that there was a plague. How many of you understand what I'm saying? The Levites took matters in their own hands, they 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 accomplished that, and three thousand men perished. That's not too bad, is it? But what came to my mind was this, and I want to reference this in Exodus chapter 12, verses 37 and 38. I want to reference this to this because this is something that we all are going to battle and deal with in the future here. The mixed multitude came out with Israel. Egyptians joined Israel. How many understand what I'm saying? And this particular word, mixed multitude, the Hebrew word is Ereb, it's number 6154 in the Strongest Concordance, 6154, Ereb, the Hebrew word. It means the web or transverse threads of cloth, a mixture or mongrel race, mingled people. So what was happening, and I can testify to this, is that I believe it was the mixed multitude that caused the most problems on the journey. Because there was stuff happening, right? How many understand what I'm saying? It wasn't all the mixed multitude, but I'm saying that, that it, and the Lord was showing this to me. I have people here at Bait Gila they're half in and half out. They're half baked. Ah, they're kind of interested in Hebrews, but I don't know if I want to totally live that or share that, but that sounds really interesting and it's really a great service and it's really kind of exciting and different and it's it's got energy and, you know, and and you're a mixed multitude. You're riffraff. You got to be sold out, folks. Jesus went all the way up to the hill in Golgotha. He he, he went the whole distance, everybody. And and, and the funny thing about this church, it'll never make it with riffraff. It won't work because we're going for the holy of holies. We're, we're, we're being prepared as the bride. It's not a seeker-friendly club. It's not a hierarchy. It's not a, you know, pay your membership, and, and then you, you get it free. You're going to have to really pursue this. Why? Because Beit Tehila is the Lord's. It's not what I want. Why does Pastor Nick say the Holy of Holies and, and this and that? It's not me. I'm just telling you what the Father wants. That's why the message is the way that it is. This is why the vision is what it is. He's not going to back off on it. So if you feel uncomfortable or you're like, man, that ain't for me, I respect that. Amen? I respect that. I've met with people in the office. They said, I'm not getting this Hebrew root stuff. I said, I respect that. I understand. If you want to go to Sunday church and find a nice church, get plugged in and do it. Amen? I'm not against Sunday church. We can't go out and convert everybody. We can't. We can only do what the Father tells us to do. And we live by example. Now, eventually, (laughs) everybody's going to be doing it. But it ain't going to be under my authority. It's going to be under Yeshua's authority. And that's the faith that we believe. We're simply doing now what we're going to do later. Come on now. Faith without works is dead. That's all I have is my faith. I don't have nothing but my faith. I really believe this message. I believe it. 3,000 men. You know, it's kind of interesting too, when Peter was ministering and preaching, 3,000 men <laughs> came to know the Lord, were saved and baptized on the Temple Mount. How about that? The mikvah pools turned into baptismal pools. Did you know that? So look at this. So this happens, and then look, Moses intercedes, Exodus 32, verses 30 through 35. Again, that's a good leader. A good leader is a lover and an intercessor. If you want to know if somebody's a good leader, they're loving and they're interceding. Two qualities you want to look for in a leader. They love and they intercede. They're hoping the best for people in situations. Exodus 32:30. 30. Look at Moses, let's read it. "Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin and if not, blot me, I pray thee out of thy book which thou hast written." The question isn't whether your name is in the book or not. The question is, is it blotted out? We can all practice intercession, can't we? Continue on. Jeroboam's golden calf at Bethel and Dan. 1 Kings chapter 12, verses 25 and 30. So what do you think happened? At this great cataclysmic event, when the two houses were divided, there was a northern kingdom and southern kingdom. What do you think happened? Because it's an event, right? It's an event that took place. The kingdom was divided by God. How many of you know that God divided the kingdom? And, and he will put it back together. So let's read what he did here. Let's read what Jeroboam did. Let's read it. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And he set the one in Bethel, and the other put he in Dan, which is in the north. Does everybody see that? Calves of gold. And he said the exact same thing. The children of Israel said this in Exodus 32, 4 and 8. The children of Israel said this about the calf. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. It was the children of Israel that said that, not Aaron. We always go back to what's familiar. We always want what's familiar. That's why you have familiar spirits. Because, see, when you were born, there are angels assigned to us, I believe. They have responsibilities. But I believe there's an assignment from the enemy, too. And there's a war going on. There's a war going on. And so as you see this being played out, it was familiarity. And notice it was the northern kingdom. That's Rachel's kingdom. Remember, Rachel took the household items, the idols. Hey. See, Judas doesn't have the problem with idolatry. It's us. We have a lot of idols, everybody, and I guarantee you, if you go home and say, Holy Spirit, show me my idols, I'm telling you, he will show you. He will show you beyond a shadow of a doubt that we all have them, and we need to be broken of them. Your children can be an idol. Some of you need to rebuke your children as a parent. Whether they believe in the Hebrew roots or not, you need to rebuke them. You need to say, hey, what you're doing is wrong. I'm praying for you, and I love you, but you better straighten up because I'm interceding for you. Because they carry your name. You need to tell them that. You carry carry the name. In Hosea 13.2, look at Hosea 13.2. And now they sin more and more and have made them molten images of their silver and idols according to their own understanding. All of it, the work of the craftsmen. They say of them, let the men that sacrifice kiss the calves. You've heard kiss the ring finger, I'm sure. Kiss the calves. So in context, it looks like they were making little calves for people to put in their homes. Doesn't it say that there? It sounds like it. Amen? Amen? Think about it. Look at Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul makes reference to the golden calf incident to the church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 10, 7. Time does not permit me to go there. Yes, it does. Time does permit me. You want the five tests? I'll give you the five tests. Well, Pastor Nick, what should I be studying for? What should I be uh, applying myself to? Let, let's look at this. It's actually in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 6, and I'll start reading it down the line here because there's five things that we're all faced with. Now, these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. So lust is a test. How are you doing? Okay, I'm going to move on. Number seven, the verse seven. Here we go. Let's let's go there. Can we pull that up? Let's read it together. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. He's like, Don't be in in idolatry. Don't put anything before God. Idolatry is whatever you give your strength to, whatever you draw your strength from. Your money can be idolatry. Let's keep reading verse 8. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and 20,000. There's lust, idolatry, and fornication. Now, none of this is really in our society today, is it? Wait, wait, there's two more. You guys are probably saying, hey, I'm pretty good, I'm clean. Verse nine, neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. See, I could have tried to force my hand on purchasing a church and tempted the Lord. I could have forced my hand on it. But I was venturing out. I was looking for possibilities. So I didn't really tempt the Lord. I initiated something that didn't go through. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? I'll give you another example of tempting the Lord knowing to do something, but you do it in the wrong time. I'll give you an example. You find out about Shabbat, and you go to your boss, and you've been working there 10 years. Hey, I got to have Shabbat off. I just discovered this revelation, I want to share it with you. And you know, they're very receptive of that, aren't they? Because you've been living a certain way for 10 years, a total heathen, and all of a sudden you're going to change. And they're all into that. They understand that. They have empathy. Every boss has empathy. And you say, well, you know, if I don't get this Shabbat off, I'm quitting. So what happens if you lose your job and then you don't provide for your family? You just tempted the Lord. How many of that we all learn truth? God shows us what to do. How many of has that got to work into some things? Let the Lord work in, in your favor, amen? Now, if you know to do something and you don't do it, it's a sin. But, I mean, you're, you're getting ready to change your whole life around. And my testimony was that I had to work on Sabbath. But I wanted to be the worship leader like I was, and I wanted to be a part of the church, and, and I really wanted to be here so badly. I wanted to be here so badly. I, I prayed, Lord, just give me favor. How can, I, how can I work, you know, and then still make the service? So I was in charge of all the printing that went on the boxes at Gaylord Container. It turned into Temple Inland, and I think now it's a dealership. It's a good thing I left that job, right? You would see me selling cars. But anyway, I'm just telling you my testimony about something because this is for somebody in here. So I turned around, and I told my boss, because that's where we had beepers. Remember beepers? I said, listen, I have a beeper. I said... You can call me if you have a problem. I'll get everything set up. I'll get it going. And if you call me, I can be here in 20 minutes. And so he goes, all right, it's a deal. We shook on it. So imagine these machines out on the floor, and I take their workout to them, and they hang these these Mylar covers around a disc, and it picks up ink, and it prints on the boxes. So they, they each have their jobs. So imagine like five machines out on the floor, and each one has jobs that it has to do for that shift, that that's all got to be set up and ready to go. On top of that, if a die messes up, if, 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 if that imprint on that box is bad, or the, the die is bad, because it's called ink and die, it's an image maker, right? What would happen is they would have to have somebody from my department to fix that. Well, I was the only one. And I'm giving you my testimony because God is awesome. Now, think about the chances of something getting messed up on the job. They're probably, they're there. I never got one call from my place of employment that I needed to go in because God took care of me. Now, think about it. Eight, 10, 12-hour shift Every job, every machine has their jobs to do. They hang up a die, they pull it off, they put a new one up. Each machine has a number of jobs that they have to do, and I don't know how many there are, but there's how many? There's plenty of them. So I had everything lined up, and I just, and then I would, I would leave work because I would go in at three in the morning, Saturday Shabbat, and I would get off at eleven, jump in the shower at work, and zip to the church and make it in time to do the worship, to be a part of the service. Never listen. I never missed a service. Never. And people would say, well, you don't understand, Pastor. I live in, you know, in corporate America. I don't care. But you know what? God knew that I wanted to celebrate Sabbath. So he went before me. I remember being up here and praying for people. A number of times I've prayed for people. And, and, and I remember one time, I think we were over here, and, and somebody came up and said, oh, I just, I really want the Sabbath off and this and that. And, and, and this is what I want. And I, I just can't get it off. And, and I'm, I'm not kidding you. I'm sitting there, I'm holding their hands. And they're telling me this. They want the Sabbath off. They're trying to get their boss to get them off. And they're trying to tell me it's for religious purposes. And it's their conviction. And I'm, and I'm holding their hands. And I get a word of knowledge. And the Lord says to me, I'm not going to give her favor because she's going to go do what she wants to do. And I, and I got that word. And I said, I just want to share something with you. I don't think your heart is really in the Sabbath. I think you just don't want to work on that day. But you're not going to really use it for the Lord. And I had that in my spirit. And I didn't want to say anything. And the Lord's like, tell her. Now, how many of you know that's not cool? That's not cool. You don't want to tell Who am I to say that? If you desire righteousness, righteousness will be given to you. So when you say, you know, hey, if I can get Sabbath off, I'll be at church, I'll do this, you you better watch it. Because the Sabbath is a sign of the Mosaic Covenant. It's a sign. And I'm only sharing this because this is very interesting. This whole thing here playing out it actually says in verse 14, it, we won't go there. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Like, like me being a pastor, I don't even tell people I'm a pastor. I go undercover all the time. Because it could be an idol. I'm a pastor. It's not a good thing to be a pastor in these days in which we live. No, no. You know, I mean, listen, people come on the property and I wear my shorts or something and I'm out on the property. Hey, who who are you? What's your name? I say, hi, I'm Nick. (laughs) I'm the groundskeeper. You know, because I don't want them to know. I want to see how they really are. Let's look at this next slide. We're going to finish up here. I got, the ending of this is going to blow your mind. For those of you that hung in there, it's going to blow your mind. You're going to be like, wow. Wow. Idolatry is one of the 17 works of the flesh, Galatians 5.20. In the King James Version of the Bible, there are 17 works of the flesh. Don't let nobody tell you otherwise. These new versions, they got down to eight. We're not really that bad. If there are 17 works of the flesh, I want to know every one of them. Covetousness is idolatry, Colossians 3, 5 through 7. Covetousness is idolatry, Colossians 3, 5 through 7. Abominable idolatries in First Peter 4.3. First Peter 4.3. You know, the cool thing about this teaching, everybody, is go home, talk about it, pray about it. I don't know what you're interested in. I don't know where you're at spiritually. I really don't. Some of you, I don't know. But you should be excited about spiritual things there should be something you're excited about. If it's the Shabbat, if it's the Torah portion, the half Torah, the Brit Hadashah, if it's the the, the 17th of Tammuz that begins tonight, you should be excited about something's going on, something's happening, and you should want to know about it. So what happened on the 17th of Tammuz? What happened in this month? What Hebrew month is Tammuz? It's the fourth month, isn't it? Because what's after Tammuz? And by, the na- by, the, by the way, that the names were given during the Babylonian captivity. Tammuz is not good, folks. We won't even go there. Okay? But there's the fourth month, the fifth month. That's what you see in the Bible. And what's in the fifth month but the month of what? Av. Then what? The sixth month, Elul. Can you say Daniel fast? Oh, yeah. You'll be training. And then Tishri is the seventh month. So let's look at this. Moses broke the tablets at Mount Sinai in response to the sin of the golden calf. Number two, the daily offerings in the first temple were suspended during the siege of Jerusalem after the Kohanim could no longer obtain animals. Number three, Jerusalem's walls were breached prior to the destruction of the second temple in 70 CE. Amen. Amen. Number four, prior to the Great Revolt, the Roman general, Apostomos burned a Torah scroll setting a precedent for the horrifying burning of Jewish books throughout the centuries. See, we have a uh, Torah scroll that survived the Holocaust. And it came from Poland. I mean, a lot of Jews died from Poland. We're blessed to have a Torah scroll from Poland. Amen? You need all to understand something about the Holocaust. All those Jews died so that we could live. We could carry on the Torah. We could carry on the teachings and instructions and show it reverence because the Germans would put Jews on the back of a truck, roll out a Torah scroll, and the German truck driver would drive over it and the Jews were in the back of the truck, had to watch the whole thing. Now, now listen, we say, well, what's the big deal? It's because it's God's holy word. And that's what the enemy will do. He wants to twist it, pervert it, destroy it. And so God's word will not come back null and void, everybody. I'm telling you right now, thank you, Holy Spirit, there are prophecies being fulfilled right now at this second, and you don't even know it. I'm telling you right now, there are prophecies being fulfilled right now, and you are clueless. Because the secret things belong to God. But those things that are revealed belong to us and to our children. The way I'm teaching you and sharing with you, I'm straight up with my children. I don't hold nothing back. I talk to them. I I, I talk to them so they can understand. But I don't hold back. They're They're not sheltered. They understand. Number five, what happened on the 17th of Tammuz? An idolatrous image was placed in the sanctuary of the first temple, a brazen act of blasphemy and desecration. An idolatrous image was placed in the sanctuary of the first temple, a brazen act of blasphemy and desecration." I want to share something with all of you real quick here. So yesterday I'm at the house and I'm just chilling out, getting ready for Sabbath and everything. and I discover something. Some of you might be aware, some of you might not. I don't know if I can get away with this or not, but I'm going to try. If I could have that microphone. Some of you would say, well, you know, this happened so long ago. Check, check. Just bring this up. Very good. Now, ah, this happened so, you know, come on. I mean, that's old stuff, man. We don't do that stuff anymore. Really? Well, this is interesting because Right now in Israel, they're having something called the Tomorrowland Festival 2016. Now, hear me out. I'm not going to go in great detail. You can study this out for yourself. You can look at it for, for yourself. And it's called Tomorrowland Presents, and the theme is Unite. In quotation marks, Unite. Okay, this is like a music festival. Okay. Electronic music and different things, I'm not against the genre of music, but what I'm saying is that they're calling it a festival. And what goes on there is is not really that kosher. Now here's the thing, Tomorrowland presents and the theme is Unite, here's the countries, Colombia, Germany, India, Israel, Japan, Mexico, South Africa, all at the same time. Different stages, different time zones but all one stage. How many understand what I'm saying? So they're all coordinated geographically through the screen and their place where they're at to unite. And the theme is a better tomorrow. Now, one of the symbols, the Tomorrowland symbol, has an eye on it. I don't know if that's a lotus flower or what. I, I just discovered this yesterday, and the Holy Spirit was showing this to me, and I was so disturbed by it. It really made me angry that right now in Jerusalem, They're having this Tomorrowland Festival on Tammu 17. And you say to me, it's not relevant. Now, just go right to the source. Go to Tomorrowland Festival and look at it up for yourself and decide what it is and what it isn't. But on Tammu 17 in Jerusalem, they've got this arena over 15, 20,000 people can attend and they're going to party. And I know I made reference to that. My anniversary is tomorrow. I don't want to party. Now, I want to celebrate my my love to my wife and 17 years of marriage. Amen. But I just want to play an audio. I'm not going to put the image up. I'm not going to get into any of that. I just want to play the audio for you. Hear the audio, and then you decide for yourself. Are you ready? Let's just do it this way. Once again, you can see this for yourself. There's little trailers and stuff. And I try not to go online, and I'm not a surfer. I don't go clicking all over the place to look for stuff. You understand what I'm saying? This stuff just comes to me. It's just maybe one or two clicks, and that's it because I don't surf. I can't surf. I can water ski, but I can't surf. But I just want to play the audio and tell me what you pick up on. South Africa India and Japan unite the mirror to tomorrowland yeah. Did you hear that? Yeah, Did you hear that, yeah, Did, you hear that? Yeah, Did you hear that? That's just a less than a minute audio that I gave you but in the video there's a mirror for us to look into There's a mirror. See, it's the little God complex. You're the God. Look in the mirror. Make tomorrow better. Only you can make it better. Listen, there's more to this story. What did she say in there? Something about be a part of the what? Join the madness. I got seven kids. I don't need madness. I need two nannies. So what do we do about that? We pray. It's obedience, everybody. God wants your obedience. If you're not obedient, you haven't given God anything. Hear me out on this. It's not about do's and don'ts. It's not about, oh, I have to do this. No, you want to do it because it's an offering. Your obedience is your sacrifice. And that's what the Lord is showing me. He goes, I know you're disturbed over these things. I know you see these things. I know this really just ticks you off. This bothers you. But he was showing me. He said, just be obedient, and that's your offering to me. Just do that for me. That's what I'm asking of you. And I don't have to worry about what's going on around me. Your life is your offering, everybody. I'm telling you this from my heart. I'm 49 years old. My life is a simple offering. It's good. It's bad. It's, sometimes it's a, it's a little dove. Sometimes it's a big bull. But the bottom line is that your life is an offering. And what do you look like as an offering? Are you an offering? Or do we sit around and talk about the world all day long and how bad it is and, and, the, and the Republican National Convention and Trump and Hillary and wow, 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 wow. Come on, man. That's the, you get a life. You can be excited and have victory and be positive and have good stuff. We're the aggressors. In closing, check this out. The time between the 17th of Tammuz, the golden calf, and the ninth of Av, the destruction of both temples, is called the three weeks of affliction. Do you have your calendar? Do you have your biblical timeline? Listen. Nobody's sharing this. Nobody's giving this to the people. I think think this world is just totally lost. And I think the Messianic movement is lost. We've got to have a plan of action. This 2016 biblical timeline, if you just open it up, once again, a revelation given to me. In regard to the fall feasts, if you'll notice, where you see the dates, July 24th and then August 14th, is that three weeks? Three weeks of affliction. So this is about doom and gloom. So wow, once we get over the golden calf, now we got to look at both temples were destroyed. This is all about being alert. The enemy is trying to put fear in your life. God wants you to be alert. So if you're saying to me, well, I'm not really praying or worshiping, I'm kind of taking everything easy, you better wake up. Spiritual terrorism is worse than physical terrorism. Let me say that again. Spiritual terrorism is worse than physical terrorism. What are you saying, Pastor Nick? If we're not obedient, we're going to have spiritual terrorists in our life. And the Lord has already shown that to me with some of you. He says, You got to let them go because they're going to learn the hard way. You can't save them. They've made up their mind, they've chosen this path, they're not listening. Let it run its course. You pull back. It's almost like I don't want to get pulled in. You go to save somebody, then they pull you in, then you drown with them. It's all about obedience, everybody, it's not complicated. And as you look at this timeline, it's, it's a fear of God because you honor his calendar. This ain't about, hey, this is going to happen on this day, this is going to happen on another day. It's not even about that. Matter of fact, when I was at the grocery store and I was looking at this timeline, the, the Lord wanted to assure me this. And this is what he was sharing with me as I pull this out. Because, you know, how many of you know that this could get you in trouble? Now, Pastor Nick's uh, making predictions. I'm not making predictions. I'm sharing the past so you don't repeat it. He's warning us. I'm t- if I had a bullhorn, I'm going to buy me a bullhorn. I'm buying me a bullhorn. Write that down, Mike. Um, I know you might not let me have it, but I'm buying. I'm getting a bullhorn and I'm going to start shouting in that thing, man, because I don't know how to get through to people. And at the end of the day, how badly do you want to be the bride? I mean, You know, we all have to give up stuff. I'll say, how badly do you want to be the bride, though, really? Because as badly as you want to be the bride, you'll get rid of all that other stuff. Because there's there's coming a summer, a season of summer, That this will be the last time you'll be in this body. There's going to be a summer coming where you'll never be in this body again because you'll be changed in the twinkling of an eye. If Jesus fulfilled the spring feast, he's going to fulfill the fall feast. We need to wake up. So the Jewish sages believe that Moses went up and down the mountain three different times, so there's 40, 40, and 40. Now, when I went and looked in the Scriptures, I'm not against customs, traditions, or whatever. Moses does go back up to get the second set of tablets. How many of you understand what I'm saying? So whether there's three sets of 40 or only two sets of 40 is irregardless. Maybe he was just down in there and and taking anger management courses for 40 days before he went back up. I don't know if I want to go back up there and, and do this for you people. But the bottom line is that he went up for 40 days and he came back down. He didn't like what he saw. I mean, look at this. This is right out of the newsletter. What happened in the summer? Why is summer so important? What happened in the summer? Summer's important. Why? Because you've already got the barley harvest. Now you got the the wheat harvest. Now you need the fruit harvest. It's the final harvest for souls. You better think about your soul. The wheat harvest along with grapes, figs, and olives will ripen. I saw it when I went to Shavuot. I saw all this firsthand last year. I saw all this stuff with my own eyes. It's the fruit harvest. The 12 spies explore the land of promise. Ruth gleans in the field of Boaz during the wheat harvest. Ruth was there for the barley harvest and the wheat harvest, which is June and July. And of course, John the Baptist stated that Yeshua would gather his wheat in the barn. But there's a catch. Oh, good, Jesus is going to come get me. (laughs) Look what's in his hand. It's a winnowing fan, folks. Jesus is going to wave it over the threshing floor, get all the inedible stuff out of there, and then he's going to gather you that's edible and bring us together. We had more people in the fellowship hall over there than we do now. It's not about nickels and noses. It's about a vetting process. Because God knows what he's doing. He wants the real deal. We can't be a fraud. You can't be fake. If you're not getting it, I respect that. You don't have to do Hebrew roots and and, and come here and do it. But I'm saying, you're not going to be real happy, because we've chosen this lifestyle. We've chosen it. The parable of the wheat and the tares. We can't go around and plucking people out, and this and that. I don't go sit in the bed and tell my wife, she's a tear. My wife, no, she is not Leave her alone. Well, how do you know? Well, I don't know. Well, I don't know either. Just leave them alone then. Maybe there's just a grumpy old sheep. How about the parable of the fig tree? Ants prepare their meat in the summer, and they don't even have a leader. Both temples were destroyed in Jerusalem on the ninth of Av, which always falls in the summer. Listen to this hear me out on this. Go back to last year when the Supreme Court made a decision. Hear me out on this. I'm I'm not being judgmental. I'm just pointing things out. And and let me tell you something. You don't have to go over people's sins or be judgmental, whether they have unnatural love or whatever it is. I mean, you don't have to go after people. But what you can do is say, hey, the Bible kind of shares all this kind of stuff. It shares about this is going to happen and that's going to happen and the condition of of, a moral decay and, oh, it was already projected, you know, and and you could actually do that. And and so the Supreme Court of the United States of America passed the same-sex marriage law on June 26, 2015. Now, that would be the time that Moses was up on the mountain getting ready to come back down. So what do you say? They made a bad decision because Moses wasn't on the court. Come on now. You can't make this stuff up. You can't make this up. The Supreme Court. Heck with the Supreme Court. I'm in the kingdom of God. And the Torah is my Supreme Court. And my judge is Yeshua HaMashiach. He's a righteous judge. So I'm at the grocery store, and I'm like I said, as far as this timeline and everything, I don't want you quoting me. Well, Pastor Nick says, this is going to happen, and that's going to happen, and oh, no. Temple was destroyed. My house was going to be destroyed. No, I'm not saying that. So I'm in the grocery store. I I just feel inspired to share this. Listen to this quote. Listen. It's not about making predictions. Oh, look at me. I'm going to make predictions. I'm not making predictions. It's not about making predictions, but obedience to the revelation. You know what grieves me probably the most is people come here, and they want more, and they want this, and they want that, and they can't even do what we give. They can't, you can't even do what we give you to do. But yet you want more, and you want this. You think the grass is green on the other side. You don't realize that's where the septic tank is. Everyone needs a place. Everyone needs a home. And listen, people that wander and go here and go there, I don't know how you do it. I can't live like that. I'm not schizophrenic. I know where I'm supposed to be. You bloom where you're planted, everybody. Get a life. Get a life. Get a life. Get a small child and speak into them. How many do we have here, 50? I'm going to do this. Look up here, do this. And of course, you know what Yeshua said privately to the disciples and everything after the Last Supper. And according to the Gospel of John, in closing here, he basically said, hey, you know What? I, I pray that, that they're one, like me and the Father are one. Amen? We, we have to get along, you know. If you don't want me to be your pastor, I mean, I respect that, but you're going to need a leader. You're going to need a leader. You're going to need leadership. We're going we're, we're to make a church government in here stronger and better. You haven't seen anything yet. We'll probably be using the New Testament model, but I'm telling you now, we need a strong church government. Why? Because it gets rid of the riffraff. We're going to have protocol, and, and, and we're going to show you how we do things, and this is how it works, and then I respect your, 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 you know, your, your life and everything, but we got to have rules here. It's not a free-for-all. So let's be praying. I mean, time doesn't even permit me to go into the examples that are happening in the earth today. How many of those atrocities happening in the summertime? Why is the murdering happening in the summertime? Why? 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 Why in Orlando? Why in Munich? Why is it in the summertime? Why is the devil murdering people in the summertime? Because the fall's coming and it's going to be over. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, you know, think about the little boy that got eaten by the alligator. I mean, stuff's happening that's not normal. It's supposed to be the happiest place on earth. Not on that day. Because in Revelation, it actually talks about nature will turn on man. The beasts will go after the humans. So you better respect nature. You better respect nature. Why? Because God will do that. I always respect nature. Nature was here before we were. You've got to respect what God has done and what he's doing. I'm telling you, pray. My heart breaks for all of you. My heart breaks for all of you. And and I'm excited inside. I'm like a little kid in a candy store. He's opening up so many doors. So many cool things are happening, you know, and just be praying that God would bring the guests that he wants to bring here for us. I can't just bring in the dancing bears. We got to pray about our guests. If somebody comes in here, I want them to edify you and encourage you. I want us to be in in, in respect and admiration for one another and be on the same page and, and be the body of Christ. How many understand what I'm saying? It's your obedience, everybody. It's your obedience. It's blessing or cursing, it's life or death. And and if God is asking you to do something, just do it. Be obedient, be obedient, encourage one another. You don't know how much Danielle and I love all of you. I mean, we are so blessed to have what we have here. This is a mega church, seriously, this is a mega church. The average demographics for a Messianic congregation is 50, okay? And all I'm saying is, don't you wanna reach out to this community like Paul did Ephesus? Don't you want to turn this place upside down? People just feel the presence of God. People get healed. People get saved. That's what I want. I just want to be the best witness, and the best servant that I can be. Remember, you're the consultant. When you go out and people want to talk to you or ask you questions, you're the consultant. You're a blessing to them. A lot of you are like consultants. You've been sharing with me that you shared this and you shared that, and, you know, the cat's out of the bag now. Really, that's a good thing, isn't it? Cat lovers hate it when I say that. They don't like the cat out of the bag and they don't like the saying, well, there's more than one way to skin a cat. You just don't say those things to cat lovers. So there are certain sayings that we don't want to say. But here, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a pronosticator. I'm not doing any of that, but I'm telling you now, we are at a critical time in the earth and, and, and it's simply your obedience. What is the Father asking you to do? Are you serving in the body of Christ? Are you serving here? What are you waiting for? We have so many ministries, so many opportunities, and, and, if, and if you do something and it doesn't work out, you know, then, then step down. You know, like like Mike's wife, this is her last time in the nursery. Okay, she, she's this now. He doesn't even know that, but now he knows. You know, D. Cromwell. You know. We get older, we can't pick up babies and our backs and stuff. So, so you know, you should always love what you do and do what you love. And if you can't serve in that capacity, there's there's no condemnation. There's no, oh, pastor's going to be upset. No, I want you to serve where you want to serve. People tell me all the time, I love this and I love that, because we need to serve one another. And, and I'm in heavy, heavy prayer. Heavy, heavy, heavy prayer. You know, I talk with Paul Pickern. Uh, we met yesterday, uh, him and Jay and I, and uh, we couldn't meet on Thursday, but we had we we had met, and uh, I just want to share with you that uh, he got there early. Paul Pickering got there early, and guess who he saw in the foyer? Aaron Lipkin. So he goes, Aaron, and he turned around. You know why? Because he's Aaron. And so. Paul got to finally meet Aaron and talk with him and everything. And I just think that's incredible. And I just want you all to know that the Lipkin family went to the prophecy conference in Colorado Springs, the Prophecy Watchers or skywatch, whatever it was, Prophecy Watchers or whatever, uh, conference in Colorado Springs this last weekend. And the Lipkin family, the son, the father, and the grandkids, and of course Aaron's wife, were all at an evangelical prophecy conference. Now, that's messed up. I mean, come on. You know, what is the Orthodox Jew doing at a prophecy conference? You guys ever wondered about that? I've never seen it. Oh, look, there's slow-mo. He's going to the breakout session. No. And I'm trying to tell you this because God is moving. Something's happening. Something's happening. And, and, And if you don't know what's going on, something's going on. I can just assure you that. I'm only getting a little glimpse of some of this stuff. I've been in this movement for over 20 years, okay? I'm waiting for the two sticks to become one. If I am a Judah to become one. There's no debate. It's going to happen. It's happening. Something's about ready to bust out. So, Father, thank you for the message. Thank you for your sons and daughters. We just, we just come before you, Father. We just, uh, we just humble ourselves. We just humble ourselves. We just, we just take a deep breath, Father, and we just uh, we ask you to forgive us of our sins cleanses of all iniquity, Father. Let let us not be anxious. Uh, Let us us have peace, Father. Let us have your direction and your guidance. Father, I just uh, bless everyone here, all your sons and daughters, with clarity of mind in what they are to be doing and uh, where they are to be serving, because, Father, we we need to to get busy here, Father, in this community. There's so many opportunities, and I want to thank you, Father, for just being a father to us. We love you, Abba, we love you so much, and uh, we thank you for a strong community and to raise up the next generation, Father. Everybody here is good enough. Everybody is valued, and, uh, and we just we just want to thank you. We want to thank you for protecting us and providing for us and guiding us. And Father, it would be great to see uh, signs and wonders and miracles and everything, but uh, in the meantime, we're just going to be obedient, and I pray for this house to grow in maturity and love, and I ask all of this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody.